Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a breakout investor podcast. Today, we are back with one of our favorite names, Quipped Home Medical, ticker QIPT. Joining me to lead the discussion on the company is breakout investor Aaron Warwick. But first, a disclaimer. No one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. This podcast is for information purposes only. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting material for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors Discussion app, which can be accessed via your browser at app.breakoutinvestors.com, or you can download the mobile app by visiting the Apple or Android stores. The application and much of the research content is free. Now to our topic, Quipped Home Medical Ticker, QIPT. Aaron, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. All right, so we're going to start this uh, new season of podcasting off with Quipped. It is a favorite name of you and I. Why don't you update everyone and uh, tell us why we should be and shall continue to be interested in Quipped? Yeah, we've talked about Quipped quite a bit on previous podcasts and on our platform. Um, and just to give a summary, the, the company has done, in, in our opinion, uh, a good job of consolidating um, smaller uh, home health care companies tend to be a uh, focus in respiratory and sleep, um, which is it really the easiest way for that in that industry for a company to grow because of the way the insurance contracts work from state to state. So just because you have an insurance contract, for example, where I live in Kansas doesn't mean you'd have it in our neighboring state of Missouri or the neighboring state of Colorado. Uh, but Quipped has been doing an excellent job with that. They've been, in our opinion, undervalued based on the standard industry metric of enterprise value over EBITDA or over adjusted EBITDA. Uh, we've talked about some of the reasons we think that, that that's happened. Uh, the fact that the company's um, listed primarily and reports primarily in Canada uh, because of, of how it spun off and began uh, up in Canada uh, or through a company in Canada, even though all of their business is in the U.S. And uh, they've had several uh, derivatives that were on their balance sheet uh, that we think were, you know, a drag on the stock as well, especially last year. Not to mention just a bad overall stock market. But we hoped and and predicted that this year would be different for Quip, and they really started the year off with a bang. Um, the first trading day of the new year, they announced the acquisition of a company uh, called Great Elm Healthcare, which which is a big addition for Quip, and I think will be uh, really um, strong business uh, for them. Will help them continue their growth trajectory. What's the pro forma financial profile for the company? Well, the company now, Great Elm Healthcare, added $60 million in um, revenue from 2022. Quipped was on a $160 million annual revenue run rate at the end of 2022. So you have a uh, excuse me, $220 million uh, pro forma revenue company. And in addition to that, you also have $49 million in pro forma adjusted EBITDA. And uh, I think that that's going to quickly grow for two reasons. Number one is because of organic growth initiatives that Quipped has that'll be applied to Great Elm as well as their entire uh, previous business. So all of that business, as well as a, a huge increase really um, in the grand scheme of things in, in terms of the reimbursement rates from uh, Medicare that'll be provided in 2023, which is roughly 40% of Quip's business, at least pre uh, Great Elm Healthcare uh, acquisition. So a 200 plus million dollar top line company with about 50 million in EBITDA. 
So how do they stand in terms of uh, the potential of being added to the Russell 2000 index this year? Yeah, great, great question. That's been one of my considerations with Quip for a while is that they've been right on the brink of uh, being added to the Russell 2000 index um, where they closed um, today, which was just over, I believe, $200 million. Uh, we're recording this on January 19th. So they closed today at a $206 million market cap. Um, you know, we don't know for sure. It's always a guesstimate at this point, but a, a lot of people that I trust in in this, uh, as it relates to this Russell arbitrage, think that based upon the general market conditions um, from last year until this year, as well as, um, you know, even in, on top of the indices, there was a lot of company, a lot of smaller companies underneath it took a big hit. So we're really looking at $200 million range as of right now, we think could could potentially be added to the Russell. So they should be right there in the mix. Uh, right. Uh, now, uh, you and I have been talking up the name for some time. Uh, we've been waiting for it to uh, get to the scale that would put it in the Russell 2000. And we were also waiting for what everyone anticipated, which which was a largish acquisition. Now, uh, when the Great Elm deal, was it, is it Great Elm or? Great yes, Elm? Great Elm. Great Elm. When the Great Elm deal was announced and uh, we studied it and talked to the company about it, uh, uh, as I recall, you and I were both very pleased. Uh, we thought as larger deals go, this one is ideal. Could you talk a little bit about that and about how this risk factor hanging over the company, that they would go do a big deal and that would change the dynamic and the real upside potential? In other words, the risk factor would would overwhelm the the, um, the, the positives. So could you just get in a little detail about the transaction and how you're thinking about it? Yeah, so uh, I don't think you could have asked for a better deal um, in, in terms of what it provides to Quip, what Quip can provide to the acquired business. And I think to me, the biggest concern, you know, with a larger acquisition like this, Quip being almost, you know, three times the size. So it's not like Great Elm was on the same level as Quip. But, you know, when you start getting two companies that are closer to the same size, you start to worry about integration issues in terms of the corporate culture and, you know, people from the various management teams, butting heads and things like that, you know, that really shouldn't happen because Great Elm was owned by a larger conglomerate that really, um, where they were financial wizards, you might say. And um, so they built up Great Elm to this point where they were ready to sell it. They they do have good managers. Uh, Quip was sure to uh, quick to point that out to us that they think are going to fit in real well in Quip's organization. But it's not like the people who own the business are going to be running it and feel like you know we should have more weight or something like that. Yeah, there's no founders. Rather, they've got professional yeah. managers who are used to working for somebody, and now they're going to be part of the Quip team. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is, too, that they're going to feel like, you know, that their organization has some things to provide, which Quip was happy to acquire this as well. They uh, equipped when I talked to them about the acquisition mentioned there's some reporting and financial structures in place that they thought were going to be, you know, a good add on for the rest of their business, whereas Quip has um, a proprietary resupply program that they're really proud of uh, that's been been good for them in terms of ramping up recurring revenue. So Quipped is is going to be able to provide Great Elm uh, with their resupply program, which is able to beef up the recurring revenue. They've done this with all their other acquisitions. So 
you know, the, both companies had some technology that will benefit the other. And so there's a lot of synergies uh, to be had there. And on top of that, I, I should add, you know, I mentioned at the open of the show, the nature of this business revolves around having insurance contracts. Well, for its part, Great Elm had some really good uh, insurance contracts in the Northwest and Southwest of, of America that are hard to get. So Quipped acquired those. On the other hand, Quipped has this national insurance contract now that they, that they just signed last year with United Healthcare. The uh, Midwest business for Great Elm did not have access to United Healthcare uh, insurance plans. So that's something that Quipped's going to be able to add on to their businesses there uh, in the Midwest. And on top of that, I should note as well, this gets back to your earlier question, Scott, uh, is that uh, being larger like this, having having more scale, having more locations around the country that added some additional states that Quip didn't have, uh, it's going to be attractive to other uh, large insurance companies to potentially do an, a national contract with Quip, which will make it much easier than for Quip uh, to enter some new markets to, to boost their organic growth and, and things of that nature. All right, so I'm going to comment and close out the point about the acquisitions and then transition into organic growth. What I want to say about the transactions is there was fear that the company was going to do a big deal and that they might overpay for revenue. It was a big deal. They bought $60 million worth of revenue and they paid $80 million for it. But they, they got a really nice asset. I think there's going to be a lot of synergy that you just spoke to. There's not going to be a lot of integration issues. They bought... Um, uh, business and new territories. It's, it's, it's really ideal in terms of, uh, taking a big bite towards the national footprint strategy that they're pursuing right now. Um, now transitioning over to the organic growth, I thought it really striking when we were talking to Greg, uh, post acquisition that uh, we asked him about their transaction pipeline going forward and we asked him about their capex spend and my takeaway was that they de-emphasize both of those not that there's not going to be more acquisitions and capex will still be there but rather uh, there was emphasis on and this was a continuation of what they've been saying maybe for the last six months basically the post-covid environment and they're very aggressive in hiring new high quality sales personnel getting back into the facilities and really injecting some organic growth into the uh, into the business. Do you, do you have any follow up on that idea? Yeah, absolutely. And they've told us from from day one, as, as Scott will remember, when we first met him, it was during COVID. That COVID has actually held them back. I think a lot of people maybe thought, you know, a company focused on uh, with a high concentration in respirate uh, respiratory would uh, benefit from from COVID, but that's actually not been the case. And the the reason that COVID hurt quipped in, in a certain sense, even though the businesses continued to grow, it could have grown more. And, and the reason is they didn't have access to hospitals and clinics the way that they uh, do have it now. You know, they really saw by the middle of last year that things were going back, quote, to normal, uh, you know, just in terms of being able to uh, talk to people in clinics and uh, talk to people in hospitals and so forth that hadn't been since the pandemic began. And so they did start hiring, as, as you mentioned, um, last year. So we've already seen some of those costs go through. That's why their margins weren't, uh, their EBITDA margins weren't quite as strong as they have been in the past. Last year, we'll sh we should see those expand as these salespeople start to bring on revenue this year. And um, just to further your point, Scott, 
um, one of the things that Greg mentioned is that they really incentivized this year. They, I think they've restructured some of these um, contracts with their salespeople to uh, focus on this organic growth initiatives this year uh, in, in 2023. And then the, the final thing I would say about that is uh, one of the other things that hurt in terms of organic growth is the the recall with Philips uh, Respironics last year, which was something that hurt everybody across the board, you know, that where Philips is a supplier of um, the sleep apnea masks. Um, So there was a problem with those. Philips had to had to uh, issue a recall. Uh, Equipped has been on allocation, meaning that they only get uh, a certain number. Uh, They can't get all of them that they want. And and it looks like here in the first quarter that uh, they're going to get off of allocation. They'll be able to get from Philips as many as they are able to sell. And so that should provide a, a nice benefit here in 2023 as well in terms of organic growth. All right. Well, in keeping with the theme of uh, short and sweet uh, discussions, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to add to this podcast before we sign out? Yeah. The only thing I want to add is, you know, the only, and I don't even want to call it a complaint, but the only thing that's not a hundred percent positive in some people's minds because they've been so used to quit paying, you know, two to four times enterprise value over EBITDA for these acquisitions was the fact that they paid six times uh, for this great down business. So there's two points I wanted to make. The first one is this just proves the point that uh, you and I have been been making about Quip this uh, entire time we've been following Scott, which is, you know, six to eight times EBITDA is an absolute minimum that a, a company like this is valued at when you look at the, in the open market. And and I've got in my last Seeking Alpha articles, you know, Apria was bought out for 10 and a half times. Um, I've shown some other companies that were bought out even at 12 times or higher. Um, so, you know, this company that was a third the size of Quip that was turnkey, you know, it was ready to go. It was a professional organization. I mean, Quipped had to pay up. They had to get six times uh, enterprise value over EBITDA to be able to acquire them. Uh, so why on earth should Quip be for anything less? That's that's the market rate and absolute minimum. And then the second is the, the fact that this is a turnkey business. So and, and not only unlike most of the acquisitions that Quipped has made in the past, if not all of them, there's not a lot of value that the organization provides to Quipped other than just the business, the revenue, the earnings. Uh, whereas in this acquisition, like I mentioned, they got some technology and they got some some people that are probably going to become, you know, some some key employees or some uh, high level employees for Quip. So you know, you 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 get what you pay for the old saying, and and in this case, uh, Quip definitely got more than they would get in most acquisitions. Perfect. Well, thank you for that, Aaron. We are Breakout Investors. The Head of the Curve podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do. Please join us for discussion on Quipped and other great small cap and micro cap names with catalysts on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com or via the app, which you can uh, uh, download from the Apple or Android store. The Breakout Investor Ahead of the Curve podcast is syndicated and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, listen, and give us a five-star review. Some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. The views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers, not Breakout Investors. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Neither Breckon Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor, known as providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.